This is an ABC podcast. Hello, I'm Sarah Lestrange, and you're listening to another episode in the book show's debut writers series. Yay! Just for our special podcast and online listeners. Alice Walker is with me. Hi, Alice. Yay! Hi, Sarah. I don't have a novel for you today, but I have a short story collection called Lucky Ticket, written by Joey Boy. She grew up in Melbourne, but wrote this book while she was at university in Abu Dhabi, and now she's studying law at Harvard in Boston. Each story stands alone, but there's a running theme of the impact of the Vietnam War, of displacement and migration, and characters who are in physical or emotional exile. Sounds quite heavy. Be good to hear some of it. Let's meet one of the characters. This is an unnamed narrator observing Lynn from the story I Just Want to Hear You Say It. But something happened after months of studying Durang. One evening, as Lynn was walking home along the freeway, she looked sideways at the Vung's photocopy shop, one of the few shop fronts made of glass, and saw her reflection. She saw the dark streaked face and the thick, ruddy lips. The hard clusters of pimples had grown so thick that her cheeks seemed like two raised, lumpy discs. Her eyes were growing further apart as she got older. She was startled by the ugliness of her image and didn't know what to do. Up until this moment, she thought of her appearance as a composition of the same elements other girls had. Middle parted hair. Nya said modest girls don't wear side parts. A face that needed to be washed in the morning, forearms grown wide from carrying plates. Now Lynn realized that other people would not like to look at her, and there was nothing she could do to fix this. In the murkiness of the glass, the shadow of her self-hatred lurked behind Lynn's silhouette, and she shuddered to shake it off. I felt as if I could hear the voice inside my head, and I dared her to say something. What does a girl say when she first learns to be disgusted by herself? I fantasized an anger that would lash my cheek, that would claw so tightly it would pierce my skin. But her distress coughed and sputtered. It was a long shot anyway. What kind of pain is more common and more dull than self-hatred? Lynn looked away and hurried home. Ugh, that's an awful experience. I think, unfortunately, a lot of young women would identify with that feeling. Mm, that's how I felt reading it. And Joey said she wanted readers to connect with Lynn, who features in two of the stories in this collection, along with her mother, Nya. I asked her why she was drawn to revisit those characters. Lynn, as a character for me, is so abject in so many ways. This is a story about migration, about the Vietnam War, uh, but she and her family were left behind. They couldn't leave to go escape to America, Australia, um, like her father got to. And they're really poor and they live in the countryside and she couldn't go to school anymore. She had to become a waitress and, you know, her life is quite unlucky in so many ways that is different to, I think, to me and to most readers. But this, like this moment of uh, like a girl's self-consciousness and self-hatred, especially about her appearance, is so universal that it's like it's devastating, equally devastating as the other things sometimes. So I 
I don't know. I think it's an interesting point of universality for a female character. Mm-hmm. Each character is so distinct. And the other thing that really struck me about this book was the descriptions of the place, especially of Vietnam. Mm-hmm. I mean, in the story with Lin and Nha, as you mentioned, they're in the countryside. We learn about peanut season. We learn about the oppressive heat in summer. You also take us to uh, the Mekong where we see the floating markets and it's mm-hmm. full of fruit and superstition. And there's this really great uh, description of Saigon as well, which I'll read if you don't mind. Oh, great. It goes... Under the market stalls and in the alleyways crammed between apartment buildings, the smell of fish sauce and overripe fruit seeped out as though from some open wound beneath. It was a city spilling at the seams with a million different bodies crisscrossing and overlapping, glued together beneath the dense heat that blanketed them. I just found that so evocative and I was just wondering what you wanted to capture about place and how you kind of went about, you know, putting that into words. Mm-hmm. You read that so nicely. It gave me ideas as you were reading it. Um, oh, thank you. Uh, there's what ideas? <laughs> two things that come to mind. Um, one that is in a story about a man that survived a massacre. And uh, he's talking about how much he missed the city. But that description of the city was before the massacre occurred. Um, so I... The, the style of writing sort of foreshadows a massacre with the bodies glued mm-hmm. together or um, the bodies piled on top of each other because that is w- what it was like after the massacre. The um, open wound. Right, yeah. seeping out. Yeah, Some violence, score, it's really bodily. Uh, but, but on the other hand, the second thing is that it's about him, how much he missed the city, how much he loves it. And that is in contrast to how isolating Australia has felt for him since he left his home and came here. It's it's a rhetoric that I hear with almost all refugees that have come from Vietnam to Australia, that it's so quiet here, there's so much space, the land is so much bigger, it's cold, and it just feels so much more sparse than Saigon is. And when you were building these characters, you based at least some of them on real people that you spoke to or or interviewed, didn't you? Yeah, uh, I conducted a lot of interviews specifically to write, uh, but some um, inspiration or some characters were also just from conversations I've had in the past or people that I know in my own life. So the, the way that it turns into fiction is such a blend of... I don't know, different things that I've encountered. So they're not, these stories aren't closely modelled on real lives. There's a sort of a kernel there that you've taken and turned into a story. Yeah, nothing is, you know, the the true life of any person. I think it is just really for me to capture different personalities and bring them to life. And that just comes from going out and talking to as many people as possible and listening to the way they talk and the expressions they use, things like that. So I guess it's all character research now Mm. that I think about it. Whereas um, what happens in the stories, the plot, yeah, and the details are all made up. I just need to go out there and get a sense of what people are like. Yeah. And so what attracted you to these stories of of migration and of the war? Uh, It's just always been a really, really big part of my life my parents we were refugees from the war and I like a- as I was growing up as a child as a teenager I was always trying to understand that journey and how they could become the people they are today you know just worried about 
my grades or something. And then when I started university, I started being more serious about working in the space, working on migration issues. And I worked at the UN uh, Agency for Refugees and working with immigrants, teaching English or helping them resettle. And I didn't I didn't set out to write stories about migration, but when I looked back at what I was writing, it was all about war and migration. Yeah. There's a huge range of characters in this book. A lot of them are Vietnamese or part of the diaspora, but there's a huge range. There's an, an amputee Vietnam War veteran who sells lottery tickets. That's the title story. There's a gay Argentinian musician who's drinking his way through the student protest movement. There's an isolated Zanzibarian man. He's working construction in Abu Dhabi. There's a Nepalese photographer. So I take it you're not necessarily a believer in write what you know. Did you feel comfortable putting all these skins on, all these different people? Oh, that is a good question. Um, I... Well, the first thing is I did a lot of research for all of these stories, but yes, on the other hand, I also believe that we should or we should try to write about things that we don't experience firsthand because that that exercise as a writer is about empathy and reading a lot of the time is is so much about empathy, I think, because when you're reading as opposed to maybe like watching a piece of visual art or a film you're in this active and sustained act of putting yourself in someone else's shoes and so I work really hard to try to understand and try to put myself in the head of other people in situations that are not like mine and you know if I think that if I can't imagine what their life is like, then that's that's a failure on my part, a failure of understanding, of research. And, you know, if I don't understand enough, if I don't know enough about their lives, then I should go out there and find out and talk to them until I do understand enough. I don't know. I will never, you know, perfectly put myself in someone else's shoes, but I feel like trying is a really good exercise. Is there somewhere that you wouldn't go or do you feel like you could, if you did enough research and spoke to someone with a similar experience, you could try to get into their shoes? Mm, I don't know. Um, I'm trying to think of that has been something I've been interested in but unable to access. I think um, possibly the toughest person in this book for me is the title story, Lucky Ticket, because that is an old man who's a veteran of a war and who's disabled, um, double amputee, like you said. And at first I was like, how could I possibly, how could I possibly, I I am nothing like him. Yeah, that's just not my experience at all. And maybe that's why out of all the stories, it's the one that is most based on one person that I met rather than a blend of things. Because I he did talk really freely to me and I wanted to capture his voice and that listening to those interviews helped me get into the story. Well, it sounds like all that research Joey puts into each character has paid off, Alice. How long did the whole process take her? Well, it's been about three years since she was writing these at university. So I asked her how her collection found a publisher. Yeah, I love this question. This is the story of the author that I owe the most to. 
Um, it's Bram Presser, uh, who wrote The Book of Dirt. And just over a year ago, uh, the Wheeler Center held a reading event with, I think it was three published, you know, famous authors. And they also added me at the time as a young emerging writer with, you know, no no book or anything. I had just no been pressure. <laughs> published in a couple of magazines and things. But yeah, then I did the reading and afterward, Brian Presser said he really liked it. And he's told me if the rest of your manuscript is as good as that story, then I'll send it to my editor. Which story happened. was it? Was it one in the book? Yeah, it was Dinosaurs, the one yeah. it said in Argentina. Yeah, wow. And then? Yeah, uh, and then I I sent it to him. Actually, took a long time to work up the guts to send it to him because I kept thinking, oh, this is not ready. I need to, I need to write so much more or I need to fix things. So that actually took months. <laughs> and then and then he sent it to his editor at text. And I guess she liked it. And now she's my editor. Great. So you got in through knowing someone or meeting someone in the industry that kind of was your champion in a way. Yeah, yeah. he was totally my champion. And it was so generous because I have I I have met other authors and worked with other authors before and no one has been as willing to encourage and help you know, emerging writers as Bram was. Fantastic. So do you think of these stories as uh, their own entity or do you see them as a cohesive collection? Mm, Yeah, I I think it would be both because they, each one stands on its own completely, but it also, I think, coheres really well as a collection uh, because it is all about displacement, every story. And I think it, I started to think that it flows quite well. Uh, and this, this title, which just comes from one story, Lucky Ticket, I think actually applies pretty well to all of them because it's about dumb luck, mm. uh, which, which is a really common theme in real migration stories, that it's sometimes all crazy chance that changes your life forever. Did you have to go about editing the stories in a certain way to make sure that they would sort of fit together? Did you have that kind of hole in your mind as you were editing each part? Uh, oh, no. I think um, when I was editing it with text, we just were working on making each story complete on, it, on its own terms. Yeah. yeah. And was there much discussion about the order? It was a really short discussion. Yeah. It was just two emails. Whereas, <laughs> you know, like, whereas my editor and I would have huge conversations about sometimes like just one word. Um, but the order, she was like, what do you think? And I was like, and I gave her one version. She was like, oh, can I change? Can I swap this around? And then that was it. Yeah, right. And <laughs> um, do you remember what the word was that you had a really long conversation about? Uh, <laughs> I feel almost bad about talking about this. <laughs> okay, we'll see. Um, it was the word us. Okay. Because Sounds I had benign, yep. written it as A-S-S. Ah, gotcha. And my editor wanted it to be A-R-S-E. So sort of the more Australian vernacular. Oh, okay. As so, opposed to so more she's right. <laughs> well, that's my interpret. That's what I've always thought. I could be wrong. but Well, that must be it. That must be it. Yeah, that, that is exactly what she said. And I was like, oh, but I've never seen it like that. It is rare to see it like that, I think. Right. Yeah. I don't know. I'm just imagining the way that I text friends. 
but but it's true. Who it's won? um it could be just because I'm I've been spending too much time in America. <laughs> Who won the argument? She did. <laughs> It's hard to win a language argument against an editor. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> so what advice does Joey have for other debut writers? There's one thing she thinks writers should always remember. It's a lot of hard work. And I don't know, I think it's something that is easy to forget when we're in a creative, artistic industry. Um, but you got to put, you got to put their hours in and be organized and answer your emails and I use Google Calendar and Google Tasks very heavily. Professional operator. Yeah. <laughs> and can we give a shout out to another debut? Have you got a book to recommend? Yes. Uh, I would recommend Bram Press's Book of Dirt. Of I course. <laughs> almost feel bad about choosing this one because it does not need my help at all. It's won so many awards. It's extremely successful. But it is a brilliant book and I think everyone should read it. Yeah. And what do you love about it? Oh, my gosh. Um, so this is the story of Bram's grandparents uh, through the Holocaust. He's kind of reconstructed it through photographs and letters and uh, other kind of ephemera that his family had. Yeah. Uh, it's it's such uh, – it's an epic. It, it covers so many different generations throughout the family and it also sort of tells the story of his research, his his way of learning about what happened and digging into his family family's background. Um, he actually uses real pieces of evidence and documents and interviews as well. I, I was just talking to him yesterday and we were talking about how heavy the research, how much we like the research part of writing and the, how that is sometimes the the heavier part of the work. And that comes through really well in his book. And I also love the way that he incorporates myths into the story in at a, at an almost a magic realism way. He never really answers, you know, was that completely real or not? Um, but it works so powerfully. I don't want to give it away, but it's works very powerfully. Joey Boy, they're recommending Bram Press's The Book of Dirt, a fantastic genre-bending book, and I highly recommend it. Bram actually spoke to RN about it back in 2017, and you can find a link to that on our website. And Joey's book of short stories, Lucky Ticket, is published by text. Alice Walker, thanks again. Thank you, Sarah. And if you like hearing from these debut authors, leave us a review. It will help other people find us and find new Australian writers. I'm Sarah Lestrange. Thanks so much for listening. I'll speak to you on The Book Show on Monday. You've been listening to an ABC podcast. Discover more great ABC podcasts, live radio and exclusives on the ABC Listen app.